You're listening to Rock, Pop, and Roll. Hey, how you doing? On this edition of Rock, Pop, and Roll, it is the curious case of the romantics. Some Detroit rockers that are worth another listen. And that's what we're going to do. Hope you're doing well. I do. I do. The Romantics' original lineup was lead vocalist, rhythm guitarist Wally Palmer, lead guitarist and vocalist Mike Skill, bass player Rich Cole, and drummer and lead vocalist Jimmy Marinos. Out of Detroit, it was 60s garage, rock and roll, pop, punk, earworms for those who like hard candy. It was a Detroit attitude, and uh, we're going to take a listen to some of the some of the career. Where did it go? Up and down and up and down and up and down. But it started with a song, a single, a 45 in 1977 called Little White Lies on Spider Records. This was the flip side. I can't tell you anything. Bo Diddley beat. Now all these singles, all the flip sides were later re-recorded for the albums. But this was if you were looking for the romantics, if that was what you were into, they were on a 45. They give you a little taste of a little little tease of what they would become. I am going to tell you. Let me go ahead and tell you what I do know that you know about the Romantics. Here's what you know about the Romantics is uh, this thing right here. And we can all count into it and scream, hey, can't we? Hey. What I Like About You was not a hit at the time. It was not. It was not. You might have thought it was. You hear it on the radio now. But at the time when it was released on their debut album, back in 1980, uh-uh. All four members were singers, but Jimmy Moreno's the drummer is actually here on vocals. You might remember the, the video. He's very happy to be singing lead. As, this would seem like a, a, a strong start, right? The Romantics, they're on their way. They've got a song. It was not really a hit, though. Went up to number 49. That's it. That's not a hit. The follow-up, another good tune, but did not crack the top 100 at all. How did it not? When you tell me I mean... I mean, Really? When I look in your eyes. So they uh, they slogged along with some more albums until they hit upon that one golden overlooked in rock and roll history album that they released. Uh, but it took them a couple of albums. Hey, thanks for listening. This is Rock, Pop, and Roll, the podcast, episode number 21. Thanks, I'm Rob Nichols, a radio, former rock radio DJ, although I did do, you know, you think about it, I did a lot of formats. I did some country, I did some talk radio, 
was on some full service adult contemporary stations. Did uh, uh, was worked for Whoa Whoa back in the legendary days of the late part of right before they lost their fifty thousand watt signal. But I was on that station when it was covering at night thirty eight states and Jamaica and wherever else it was Cuba. I you know we used to get phone calls from everywhere. That was a fun station to work for back when they were playing oldies. Also a rock writer. There's stuff you can find online that I've written. Uh, the rockforward.com website has some of that. Thank you, though, for tuning into the podcast where we talk rock and roll and pop music from the playlist of the decade of the 1980s directly from the heartland of America right here in Indiana. The Romantics were formed in 1977 in Detroit. Their first gig, they opened for not the old MC5, but the new MC5. And except for one song... At the time, one hit song during their career. They had no hits, the Romantics did. But they certainly, they pushed the template of how to make accessible, loud, power, pop, punk. They recorded their debut self-titled album with a British producer named Pete Solly. And it was an excellent album, Power Pop, New Wave, Stooges, Seeger Influence, some of that MC5, some of that Motown. It was all there, slamming drums. Hey, good stuff. Hey, that's the romantics. Think about it. It's the word you say when you think about the romantics. Uh, the album sold okay. They sold 200,000 copies, which would be great now. Uh, the hit What I Like About You, not a hit in America, not in the UK, but in the Netherlands, they were huge. Number eight. Song got up to number two in Australia. The second album. So they released a follow-up, as they, as you would do. It was not as good. It was an album called National Breakout. Tough to find anything that is as good on uh, this album compared to the first album. It's a little tired sounding. No real hits. The single, the first single they released was a song called Forever Yours. Every time I see you, I always turn so shy. I want to say I can't delay. It's been so built up inside. There's some 50s and some 60s influence in there. Uh, not much for me uh, to like. Mike Skill, the uh, guitar player, left the band after the release of this National Breakout album. Uh, he was replaced by lead guitarist Kaz Candler. And so then the third album was one called Strictly Personal, and it wasn't even as good as the second album. Bad production, really distant vocals that were recorded uh, echo-heavy far away kind of arena rockish to me it sounded there were no hits it kind of sounded like sounded more like night ranger than it sounded like the romantics i mean that's almost pop metal It was produced by Mike Stone, who had worked with Queen, but really no magic here. And it's amazing that they release a debut as as good as their debut album was, and then followed up with a couple of albums that weren't good, but they did get one more shot at uh, something. So they took it. Pete Solly was rehired as the pro- as the producer. He was the producer of the debut album. So they recorded their fourth album, an album that was called in heat and it was eventually awarded a gold album sold half a million copies in the united states during its run continues to sell continues to be listened to mainly because 
Uh, well, mainly because it's a great album and had their one big hit on it. But it had a lot of songs that, that were good. Like Open Up Your Door. Not a hit. This is just an album cut, people. Just turn it up. Just great energy, great rock and roll album. They're, the hit that they did have uh, reached number three for four weeks on the Billboard chart. So it was not a fluke. It was a number one song on the album Rock Tracks. It was the number one song on the Dance Club Play charts. Who knew that the four guys from Detroit would have the top dance pop song playing garage rock and roll? This was it. a huge it was their fourth of july really it was all the fireworks all the big bang they're most accessible radio friendly but not too slick still pretty well produced song it's all over the radio still gets played on the radio good for them uh they had an, uh, a follow-up that was uh, not as big of a hit It's a little righteous slice of sweet vocal harmonies. That thing slid into the top 40 at number 37, so it didn't really make a dent. Back when I was playing songs on the radio, uh, there was one that I played that was never a hit. Just a throwaway fun. Yeah. Called I'm Hip. Throw that thing on at about 11.20 at night. Wake some people up. They had a single that did not chart that should have. Called Rock You Up. Rock Radio did play that a little bit. It got up to number 49 on the on Rock Radio Station charts. And they closed the album out with a with a single, a, a, a cover of the 1960s song from a band called The Dew Tones. They made it up to number 51 for that original, uh, the original version from The Dew Tones. This was just a fun cover at the end of the album. Shake that tail feather, baby. It's kind of Beatlesque, right? Should have, could have been in, in the movie. That thing you do, had yeah, that sound, right? In heat, in heat, the album. Really, I mean, go check it out. Go listen to it. Fun, fun, fun. The best, the best thing that they would do. Uh, and then they fell apart. The whole thing fell apart. In 1984, Jimmy Marinos left the band. The drummer did. 1985, they did release a follow-up to the In Heat album, Rhythm Romance. It peaked at number 72. It only produced one charting single that didn't even chart very highly. 
Went up to number 71, a song called Test of Time. And then the Romantics were dropped from Sony Records. 1987, they sued their management. They said the managers had been taking profits that were theirs, that they had licensed What I Like About You to uh, television uh, without the band's knowledge or approval and probably without the band getting paid what they should for it. And during the lawsuit, they could not legally make any music, so they were kind of stuck. I don't know if you remember the legendary story about Bruce Springsteen. After Born to Run, he had a lawsuit with his manager. He couldn't record for three years. He thought his career was over. That was three years. And he ended up making Darkness on the Edge of Town, and that was his comeback, and reinvented himself. Uh, and so it all worked out, but there was... You know, there's cases where bands can't cannot do what they want to do, what they need to do to have a career, and that's where the Romantics were. And that's when I saw them live at a bar in front of about 150 people. Yeah, I'll tell you that story. Uh, drummer Clem Burke, who used to be with Blondie, Blondie called it quits, so Burke joined the Romantics and played for them for almost 15 years. And that's that was the lineup when I saw the band. So I saw the band in 1991. I was working for a radio station in Madison, Indiana. I've mentioned them before, WORX. I was doing mornings. There was a bar in the town called the, the Electric Lady. And for a decade or so, now I was only there for about three years. But that was the club that booked any band that was worth seeing. That was that was the room. Just a smallish room, but it had a had a bar, had a decent stage, kind of a rectangular room, had a little bit of a balcony, but not much on the side. Just a small town rock bar. So I got to interview. They booked the Romantics, right? They had booked some others. I, uh, Robin Trower during this time when I was down there. So they would they'd get some people in. But I got to interview the Romantics before the show in an upstairs office and I was <laughs> I was about 24 years old and I did my best I swear I did but to me it to me at the time it was the effing romantics man so I was a little nervous and if I remember correctly it was a below average performance by me no <laughs> there was no magic I probably didn't ask very good questions I tried uh, but they seemed a little bit low key right well hell they were in a bar in Madison Madison Indiana not even Madison Wisconsin so we walked out together onto the sidewalk after the after the um, after we did the interview. I think we did it live on the air. Really, I don't think we even taped it. I think it went live about four thirty or five o'clock. Uh, and so we walked out onto the sidewalk together, a couple of the guys and me, and around the corner. And I let them go. They went one way, I went another. I always wondered. I, I always wondered if they were waiting for me to take them to another bar or restaurant, help them find a joint. I don't know. Uh, but I went the other direction and came back for the show to intro them from the stage and then be blown away by a freaking great loud turned on blowing it out rock show my ears rang well into the next day after that romantic show they were better than anyone could have expected there was a great vibe that night i said there are 150 people there probably the bar held 200 250 so it was a pretty good turnout good vibe and then after the show I stopped at a payphone, I remember doing this, just outside the Madison Elks Lodge. A payphone, it was 1991, I didn't have a cell phone, I had to call the radio station, I had to give them the set list from the show, 
and let them know that they could do the 30 minutes of romantics music that we had talked about doing. We said, hey, after the show, why don't we play some romantics music for all 150 people who were driving home? It'd be cool. Because that's what cool radio stations did back then after the show. So that's what we did. You were in Detroit for a petty show. Well, after the gig, WRIF would play the play back all the songs, studio version, live versions, whatever they had from the show in order. And as we drove home, we got to hear the show again. It was kind of cool. So that's what we were doing, damn it. I'm still proud of that. I thought we did a good job there. Little WORX. So then they left town. The Romantics did. We continued on with our lives, right? But I always remember that great little Romantics show in a bar. I remember it for how good they were when they didn't have to be. Or maybe they did have to be. Because it was all they had that was keeping them alive. I don't know. But it's a great show. They won the lawsuit eventually. They eventually made an album called 61 slash 49, 6149. That's the crossroads where Robert Johnson made his legendary pact with the devil. So that's what they called the album. There was a song on there called Midnight to Six Man. This was about, uh, this was in the 2000s when they released this. So they still had it. They were, I mean, they were, it sounds good. And, and here's why the romantics are interesting to me. They're going to be remembered for a relatively minor hit that everyone who's heard a radio or been to an athletic event or watched a TV show. Everyone knows what I like about you. You can sing it. What I like about you. Hey, but it, it's a fluke. It was the it was a fluke in their career. It wasn't a hit at the time. It got now everybody knows it. But the In Heat album was real, sounded great, had terrific energy, and hit that button during just the right time. Radio loved it, made those songs sound even better. They didn't love it so much that it was overplayed in this huge hit, but they accepted it, and and then poof, it was all gone. Romantics kind of faded away. They never completely burned away to ash. So they continued playing the tiny out-of-the-way joints, like that little electric lady in Madison, and they came out on the other side. And that's why they're interesting to me. Uh, 60s garage, British invasion, punk, uh, soulful. There's always more to the romantics than just just their roots. They were respectful of their roots, but they also were busting at their rock seams to kind of sound like themselves, too. There's an underrated legacy of sound and songs to the Romantics. Original guitarist Mike Skill took over for Candler in uh, 2011, so he was back in the band. Candler uh, sued the Romantics, said he wasn't getting what he needed out of royalties. They settled for $130,000 in exchange for Cos Candler giving up his share in the company. So the band consists of... uh, Bass player Rich Cole, the original bass player, rejoined in 2010. Uh, Brad Elvis of the Elvis Brothers is the drummer, tw- uh, 2004, so he's been with them for 17 years. Wally Palmer still the front man. Uh, Skill, the guitar player, the original guitar player. So essentially three original members and the band's still around. Underrated. You know, pop, rock. It went from black leather to red leather to influencing bands like Green Day and Blink-182 and a whole mess of the 90s power punk pop genre. They're still out there, and there is a little side 
piece of the romantics that you need to know about. I love the romantics. The band with three-minute blasts of Motown crossed with The Clash. Cheap Trick with Iggy Pop. Detroit Rock and Roll. Rough and gritty. But good harmonies. It was really, it was dance music for the rock and roll crowd. So the band's intact. They're still here. Still playing out. Playing loud. Detroit loud. But another thing to know about the Romantics. Now they released some stuff back in the 90s. They had a great live album that was recorded, I think 1983, released in the 90s. uh, From... It was a CD recorded from a King Biscuit Flower Hour uh, concert. King Biscuit Flower Hour, you remember that? Syndicated show on, on rock radio stations would have a live band on, usually heard it like on Sunday nights. This was a show recorded in San Antonio during the In Heat album tour. So it was really good. Uh, I found that years ago in a, in a bargain bin. But look for that King Biscuit Flower Hour of the Romantics Live. But there's a band now called The Empty Hearts that has a direct connection to the Romantics that you may have not heard of The Empty Hearts. Maybe not. Well, they're on Stevie Van Zant's record label. He also named the band, apparently. The Wicked Cool record label, which is great. You know, it's a companion to his underground garage radio show. It's Garage Rock. The majority of bands that they signed to the label usually have had some success somewhere else on some independent labels. And it's kind of a window for these bands to be heard via the Sirius XM platform that Van Zandt has with, uh, with his involvement there. But the Empty Hearts were founded in 2013. So in that band is Wally Palmer, the Romantics guitarist and vocalist. Elliot Easton, the Cars guitarist, is in the band. Blondie drummer Clem Burke. And a bassist for a band called the, a great garage rock band called the Chesterfield Kings, Andy Babiak, I think is how you say his name. Uh, empty, the Empty Hearts. It's a really good lineup, right? The band's self-titled first album was uh, made in 2014. It was produced by Ed Stasium, who did work with the, Rome, uh, the Ramones. He also uh, produced the great Smithereens late 1980s album called Eleven. But from that debut album, Uh, A couple of tunes that are worth hearing if you haven't heard The Empty Hearts. I'm going to turn you on to them right now. Tire tracks all across my back. Oh, I got my fun, but it's just another one. You got me shaking. Here comes the sun. Man, it's just got great harmonies, great guitars. You can, if you put your headphones on, you can hear guitars in both ears. Elliot Easton and Wally Palmer. Great production. It sounds good. It's kind of a, a, a neat little find. They also had a, a song that sounded more Beatlesque from the '60s. Run and hide from you was the name of this. those chiming birds-like guitars. So that was the debut album. In 2020, they released a follow-up album. The the second album was called The Second Album. This is called Coat Taylor. So it's worth checking out. 
if you if you like that kind of thing. They're further on down the road, right? The guys have been around, but uh, Elliot Easton plays great guitar, uh, and there's some energy there. Uh, the Empty Hearts, man, go go take a listen to them. I think you might dig it. I do. Uh, I wouldn't tell you about it if I didn't believe it. Subscribe to Rock Pop and Roll wherever you get your podcast and find all the episodes at rockpopandroll.com. Hey, thanks for listening to the podcast all about the romantics. When I was going to college in Michigan, there was always rumors that the romantics were going to play a show at our college. They never did. I don't know why that rumor was always there, but it was. I did see him in that bar back in 1991. One of the great, you know, we ought to do a podcast, the great shows I've ever seen. I seen, I found my old ticket stubs the other day in a little box out in the shed. I saw some good shows. And the romantics are right up there, right there. Great show in a little bar. Hey, subscribe to Rock, Pop, and Roll on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart Podcasts, wherever you do get your podcasts. We should be there. I mean, the audience, the the numbers just keep going up, keep going up. I do it because I love it, but you always look at the numbers too. And it's always nice when the when you, more people are being turned on to it. If you if you know somebody who likes rock and roll and pop music from the decade of the 1980s, let them know the digital word of mouth. That's the best thing that you can do for us, and I would so much appreciate it if you do. Let somebody know. Share it on social media, whatever account you might have. Um, I said the other week, make a TikTok. Come on, let's go. Let's see that thing out there. Find us on Twitter at 80s Rock Pop Roll. You can email us at rockpoprollpodcast at gmail.com. And I'll see that. Got a suggestion for a show. My buddy Dan sent me a suggestion uh, last week for a, for, a, for a show I'm going to do down the road. Thanks, Dan. Thanks, man. And we're going to end with one last fact. Can we? Uh, we're gonna we're gonna end with a little piece here <laughs> of Romantics history. We're gonna go back to uh, to their debut album. On that debut album, they had a a cover song that was done, written by Ray Davies, and done by the Kinks. And I think it's a good thing to play us out. Can we do that? Can we remember this great little song to go home to? A song called "She's Got Everything." Thanks for listening. I do. I do appreciate you. Well, I can't live without her love. I can't live without her kiss. She is mine forever now. This is Rock, Pop, and Roll, the podcast. I'm Rob. Be good to each other. See you next time. friend who loves rock and pop music from the decade of the 80s you're listening to rock pop and roll